Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Here we are again talking about Proverbs. Hope you're not getting bored with me. If you, if you are, you'll have to take that up with God. I didn't want to do it either. So, <laughs> no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with Proverbs. I just, I just, I, studying it week after week after week, at some point I get tired of it, just like maybe you would. And, and so uh, uh, I had a good time this week. And, and uh, our kids got a new kitchen table. And so um, it's it's like six or seven feet long, and and uh, so and it's right by plug-ins, and, and and it's not in the basement. And so when they go to when they go to their appointments, when Amber goes to treatment, why I spread out on their table. So it's it was a good week for me just to be able to be spread out because that's how I do it when I'm here. I just, I have a I actually have a kitchen table as a desk in my office. If you've never been in my office, you should run in there. It's actually a table. Um, and, and if you need to know, it's because I'm so long that when I slide underneath the desk, if it's got a desk drawer, it decapitates my knees. And, and so, yeah, and then, then you're in that little cubby hole that's not wide enough for the gross vehicle weight that I am. <laughs> so there we go. All right. So we are in chapter two. We're talking about creating value that happens within the within the book of Proverbs. And again, once we kind of get some of these principles down that, that I can throw them in, then we can just touch on them as we get into different chapters. You'll see the different things that the writers and how the Holy Spirit wove all this together. And, and so it'll be awesome for us. So let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you today. We just bless you, Lord God. Teach us by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Proverbs, I'm going to say this hopefully every week. Keep in mind that that as you're reading through this, when you say to yourself, yep, I already know this, that basically you're denying the depth of wisdom that God wants to give you. Proverbs and these simple little one-liners are much deeper than the average person gives them credit for. And, and so it can become very much of a routine when you end up saying, okay, well, I've read this before. In fact, it sounds an awful lot like the last chapter, and they do. But what you have to pay attention to, obviously, are the little spots where you get those practical applications. He gives you five or six verses of either definitions or, or, or points, basically. And then he tells you, or then the writer tells you, uh, basically, a, a, <coughs> excuse me, a longer passage of practical application. And so those are the things that, that you can really learn from is, well, yeah, wisdom is this. But then he says, but here's how that works in the real world. So in, in verse number one, it says, my son, if you, rece- uh, if you receive my words and treasure my commands. And again, we talked last week about that treasure idea. It literally means to find something that was hidden that is of great value. To find something that is hidden that is of great value. So if you find a treasure, um, having spent so much time with our family in Fort Collins, um, every once in a while, um, a, a young person will find a treasure. And uh, when you see in their room their collection of treasures, you wonder exactly what prompted them to believe that is a treasure. And, and it's that kind of a thing. If you went and talked to a nine-year-old and said, um, so I see this half piece of paper here and uh, I'm wondering why we're saving it. And they'll actually likely be able to tell you, well, it's the bottom half of this. It does, there's nothing on the paper, but it reminds them of something else. 
Right. And so that's what treasure does. And that's what he's trying to show us here is that wisdom from God is like a hidden treasure. And so you get to establish and place value uh, in that. Notice that it says it is a treasure within you. So, again, you'll see in the New Testament where this language is used. You you might remember in in one of Jesus parable where a man sold all he had to buy a field that, that had a treasure in it. You might also remember when he uses that language where he says, don't cast your pearls before swine. You remember that passage? All right. So remember that as you're learning these things, the ability for someone else to grab a hold of your treasure is somewhat limited. And so when you're sharing these things, you want to share it if you want it to kind of make a difference in people's lives. You want to share it with people who are prepared to establish the value. Right. If you throw something value in, into a hog pen, the first thing they might do with it is try and eat it, you know, and they won't. And you say, don't cast your pearls, things of great value in front of the swine. And, and if you want to get your stuff back out of the pig pen, there's going to be a wrestling match and only one of you is going to enjoy it because a pig enjoys wrestling in that mud. And you aren't going to. So, so just keep in mind that this, this, this principle that he's shown, it's throughout the Bible. Verse number two, it says, so that you incline your ear. And we talked just briefly last week about how you lean into something and, and how you hear those things. And then he says in verse number three, lift up your voice for understanding. He says, listen, when you apply this to your heart, you then lift up your voice. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when understanding rests, when wisdom rests in your heart, you need understanding. That's going to come out of your mouth. You're going to say, Lord, I need to understand that better. Right. Rather than saying, oh, God, thank you for giving me that. I now know everything there is to know about this. Right. That's not what he's asking us to do. That's not how this works. He says, and then he says, if you seek her as silver, again, the kind of the personification and value quotient that's offered here is something that all of us can relate to. You know, I talked with one of my sons uh, some, some years ago and he called me up and he said, dad, I got a tip today. I said, you know, he was in water handling and I thought, you got a tip? Who, who tips the well guy? You know, who tips, who tips the guy who, who brings the, the motor? You know, and, and I said, and he said, I said, where are you? He says, well, I'm up above Boulder in the mountains. And I said, what did they tip you? And he said, a bar of silver. <laughs> see, now see, I got all of your attention, didn't I? But do you know what to do with it? I mean, sure, you can put it on your counter, right? I have a bar of silver. First thing I said was, what's it weigh? Because... I'm not an expert at this, but I can tell you that an ounce of silver is worth less than five ounces of silver, which is worth less than 10 ounces of silver, which is worth less than 13 ounces of silver, which is how Troy measurements go. It's not a pound. A Troy pound is not the same as an American pound. And so if you ever want to invest in silver, um, you're actually buying less than you think you are for more than you think you are paying. He says, it's search for her as hidden treasures. What's the hidden value? What's the hidden thing inside of that? So remember, face value is really important. When you, when you, when you move into something and you get, well, here's what this is. Here's the face value of that. Inside of that is a greater value. Think of it this way. When you go through difficult times, you might complain your way through them. Six months, a year later, you might say, I'll never give up. 
what I learned when I was complaining. Right? If you've ever been through something like that and you learn something that you'll never give up, but you hope you never have to go through it again. That's the hidden treasure. That's what God's trying to show us in that in this in this passage. Verse number five, it says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Again, very, very important. And this this brings us into essentially about a 20 verse long explanation, experiential thing where he's going to tell us about this, this kind of stuff. So notice if you would, please, it says for the verse six, for the Lord gives wisdom. I understand that the easiest way for us to get wisdom is to ask somebody else what their opinion is. Well, you think this, and I don't know how many of you have watched um, the news. Evidently, um, somebody from some other country blew up a rather large balloon and had attached to the bottom of it solar panels and some sort of equipment and floated that according to prevailing winds over America. And then yesterday afternoon or Friday afternoon, we sent up an F-22 Raptor and blew it to smithereens. Cool. How many of you have an opinion about that? How many of you are pretty sure that your opinion without any evidence is right? Yeah, that's not necessarily wisdom. See, because there's too much missing. You got your information from what somebody was willing to tell you. You made something of that information by what you already believe. You made something of that based on what you already believe. You interpret your life experiences based on what you already believe. No, I don't, Pastor. Yes, you do. Here's how I know that. You keep hanging on to the same level of difficulty that you've been hanging on to and talking about for months and in some cases years. Let me prove it to you. How many of you are still struggling with something that you struggled with some time ago? Why don't you just let go? I mean, right? Don't you love those really simplistic people? I love people who are thin. Bob, Bob West, I, I hope he's watching. Bob West is an amazing man. He's about six foot three or six foot four, weighs about 180 pounds. And if you've ever been to his house, the man eats like a horse. He's got a metabolism that a 20 that year old would like. And I want to slap him every time I eat with him. Because I can eat half that much and my clothes don't fit. Right? And I'm thinking, what? Golly sakes, that's terrible. And, and, and I'm thinking, why don't I just look like Bob? You know, he's like 75 or however old he is. And, and he doesn't look overweight. And when I look in a mirror, I don't see myself overweight. Come on. Come on, men, help me, right? You still look in the mirror and think you're strong and young and virile and all that kind of stuff. And even though you got stuff hanging over every tight piece of clothing that you have, you still see yourself as being in shape. (laughs) How you respond to something is based on your belief system. You can't say, well, but my belief system is right. Okay, congratulations. But if that's the case, you will set yourself up for such a lack of growth that a year from now, you'll be really disappointed in how you wasted all the time that you have 
wasted in your, bath, in your past. Because you did it based on what you believe. So again, when we look at verse number six, he says, the Lord gives wisdom. I'd like to say that I'm always clear full of God's wisdom and everything that dribbles out of my mouth is wise. But it's not. And unless I get wisdom from God, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I've been in this a long time and and pastors and people will call me because of my experience. And I like to say when I answer the phone, if you've got a question, I don't have a clue what your answer is. Because the older I get, the less I think I know. And yet they'll call and say, well, now, pastor, you know, I'm going through this. And what do you think? And immediately I think I don't even want to get into this because if you base what you're going to do based on my opinion and about the time I'm having this argument inside myself, God oftentimes will give me a nugget of wisdom. And I'll go, well, I'm going to tell him that, right, God? You know, I'm having this conversation in my head. Why? Because wisdom comes from God. Now, you can get wisdom from your experiences, but if you trust them exclusively, what will happen is that you'll tell everybody you deal with how you fixed your problem. Read this book, take this series of CDs, do this, you know, find this place on the Internet. I always find it real interesting that people have a solution for my problems. So I have a solution for that. I think that we should line up after church and switch problems because I know exactly what to do for yours. And you know what to do with mine. That's not wisdom. And so anyway, here we are processing this. Lord gives wisdom, verse six, verse number seven. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk uprightly. Notice that he's a shield. Now, I don't know what you think about all this, but God, through wisdom, shields you if you'll submit to it. How many of you know you have to submit to it? If you're going to shield yourself from something, you, through discipline, have to remove yourself from the circumstance, from the situation. Does that make sense? If you're going to shield yourself... Right. So people, how many of you know that you can find all kinds of trouble in the world? You can shield yourself by never leaving your house. That'll work part of the way until your brain gets involved and your brain will bring the problems on the outside to the inside. Why? Because wisdom shields you. You can actually work, play, and enjoy a sin-filled world, not because of sin, but because of wisdom shielding you from all the junk. That makes sense. Rather than saying, well, I'm just never going to do this. Okay, congratulations, and maybe you won't. But wisdom can shield you. How many have ever been in a conversation or an argument with somebody and you wished you would have never engaged that? Wisdom will shield you. That's, that's pearls before swine. If you've ever been in a political argument, dear God, there are people in both ditches in the political field and people trying to speak sense to each ditch. And you open your mouth and out it comes. You think, well, I got the solution to this. Let me tell you something. People who are unprepared to change rarely change. <laughs> Come on. You don't think that's right? Some of you look at me and go, well, that's not right. Well, just look at that person sitting next to you for a second. The one you're married to. And think about all those times that you wished he or she would change. And how well that worked. 
how well your conversation with them about changing worked, where you gave them all the best ideas about how they should be according to you. Tell me, did that work? Because wisdom will keep you out of that conversation and shield you. By the way, the shield will allow you to pray, P-R-A-Y, pray without preconceived notions. When you get into that situation saying, well, you know, my wife and bless God, if she just changed, you know. And what happens is we pray into their problem. What's the magnification of our prayer? The problem. People don't get changed by somebody praying the problem. Well, I wish they were different. Well, congratulations. I wish you were different. We wouldn't, I could have slept in this morning. You shouldn't need church. Not for this. You say, oh yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to do this myself. Yep. Supposed to do this every day yourself. Like an hour's worth. You say, an hour's worth? Do you know what I have to do? Yes, I do. I am intimately acquainted now, both in my younger age when I had energy and in my older age where I have declining energy at times. I know what it's like to raise a family. To be involved Nick, I spent an hour and a half yesterday watching third graders play basketball. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. It's like herding cats. Everybody's going every which direction. And all the parents, I love this, all the parents that I'm sitting around, I got to help coach this week. And so I did what I do. I watched them, and then when I saw where they could shoot from, I went over and grabbed their little neck, and I took them to that spot, and I said, now, when you're in this spot, I want you to shoot right here. You see this spot right here? When you're in this spot, that's your spot. Shoot the ball. The minute that those little guys get the ball, mom and dad are hollering from the stands, shoot! Stop it! And they want them to, they're nine years old, crank up a three-pointer. It's going to land out of bounds. What happens? They don't understand how hard you work, right, to do all this stuff. And what happens is it takes some wisdom. So I was sitting next to a parent yesterday. He's hollering to his little child, another one of those kids, Lola, should have joined the choir. Just telling you right now. Anyway, his dad is hollering him. So the team's on the other side and the, uh, the, the par- parents are on this side. Okay, and he's hollering to his kid. He's saying, I can't remember what his name was, Riley, I think, something like that. He says, he says, Riley, Riley. And he looks over at the stand. The game is going on. And the kid has stopped. Now, we would want the kid to stop to, to pay attention to his parent, right? But not during the game. You know, write yourself a note, parent, and then take him home. But anyway, he says, he says the next time you get the ball, he's going like this. What do you want him to do? Shoot. Riley has a spot. And so I elbowed him and I said, um, I was coaching your son this week. He says, yeah, I really appreciate He was at practice. And I said, I don't know if you noticed, but both days I was practicing with him. I took your son over to a spot on the floor. He said, yeah, I noticed that. He says, I didn't know what you were doing. I said, I was telling Riley where he can shoot from. See, wisdom suggests you will help people be successful if you give them boundaries, not freedom. 
Come on. See, I said you didn't have to come to church. You remember that? It's a long story to get to that place. But when I give you boundaries, when God gives you boundaries, you're actually better off than you could have stayed home this morning. I could have stayed home this morning. Any of you could do this. You say, no, we couldn't. Yes, you could. It's the same Holy Spirit. The problem is your belief system traps you short of what God has for you. Every week, I believe that God is going to speak to me for you every week. And whether that happens or not, I come up here and pretend in faith that that happened. And I tell you, and most of the time, many of the little zingers that I deliver are not in my notes. In fact, this is really just, you know, make sure in this verse to touch on this word. I mean, that's all my notes are. It's God speaking to me as we go. God can do that with you. So notice he says, he stores up the wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk. That's verse 7. Verse 8, he guards the path of justice. Remember that justice is always according to God's heavenly perspective. Right? When he, when he said in Philippians, when the Holy Spirit said through Paul in Philippians, that their citizenship is not of this earth, that's a heavenly perspective. The governmental rules that you are to follow are not of this land. The governmental rules are not of this land. Right. So even if the government issues a rule, a law, and that doesn't infringe upon your rights or biblical understanding, then you should follow that because that's a position of honor. Because there is no authority except for that authority which is granted. Romans 13, go read it. Notice it says then he guards the paths of justice. He, preserve, he preserves the way of the saints. He preserves that. How many of you ever wondered if your way was being preserved or destroyed? See, that's why there's depth in God's wisdom. You can be walking down a path that looks like it leads to the wrong place. In fact, let me just tell you something prophetically. You've been watching for the last two and a half or three years what looks like leads to the wrong place. Here's a spoiler alert. God's always been at work and it leads to the right place. You just had your eyes on the wrong stuff. Wrong stuff. I've heard people talk about how terrible the economy is. Did you know the economy hasn't affected your church Want to know why? Now, see, here's where you guys are going to go. You have an opportunity here to believe what I'm about to tell you, which is truth. The reason the economy hasn't affected the church and the church is its people is because the economy hasn't affected you. I know some of you don't believe that. Well, pastor, you don't understand. Yes, I do. I live in the same world you do. The only way for the church as God's instrument not to be affected by the economy is for God's work to be in the people of the church. You'll get this. You're protected, shielded by the wisdom of God that created church in the middle of nowhere to keep you protected from the everyday happenings of an evil world. Isn't that interesting? Well, that's just not working right. You ought to quit accusing God. You're on the wrong team when you do that. Amen. Verse 9. Then you will understand. What will you understand? Righteousness and justice. 
Do you see it? Then you... (laughs) Do you understand that in the world today there are people pursuing justice, righteousness, equity in every good path? They're pursuing it wildly, but they're defining it. I I read an article somewhat recently where a, a man was caught in the woman's restroom at a YMCA and a 10-year-old girl went out and told, bless her heart, said there's a man in the lady's locker room and the people at the thing said, you need to adjust your thinking. Well, I got news for you. You need slapped. Right? Well, you say, well, but they're just, no, they're making up what righteousness is. They're making up what justice is. They're making up what equity is. There's a reason why God made us different. There's a reason for that. That's righteousness. That's not Adam and Steve. Come on. You say, well, pastor, you just don't make enough statements. It should be plainly obvious as the nose on your face that God made us different. And when somebody doesn't think they were made right, the first thing they do is try and hide their differences. Isn't that interesting? You know, girls want to be men. They hide their differences. Why? Because they want there to be equity based on their rules. But you see, wisdom causes you to understand. Now... Again, unless you're going to cast your pearls before swines, you just have to understand this. You may not have an opportunity to speak into somebody's life unless God is anointing you to speak in someone's life. Don't chase those folks down and say, you know what you're doing. You're making a mistake here. This is a terrible mistake. This is going to not go well for you. And in fact, and on and on you go trying to convince them when their heart is set on not being convinced. Well, good luck. You say, well, what are we supposed to do, Pastor? Well, I know you're going to get tired of hearing this, but you're in a Sunday school class. There are two answers that are always correct. It's always about Jesus, and you should always pray. You say, well, but I've been praying. What have you been praying about? How wrong they are. You understand that you can't plow much dirt in somebody else's soil if you're telling them their soil is poison. You'll get that. In fact, you'll get that next week in the main service when I talk about the role of the soil in control. It'll get you. It's a this week I'm sitting at the table doing my work, and I, I had a pretty good flow going, and I knew what I was supposed to teach um, for, for this morning in the main service. And I kept getting the, this, these other things, and so I started writing them down, thinking, okay, well, this fits. And then I, you know, then I had just this, 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 this collection of stuff. And I'm thinking, no way can I preach this in one week. And so then at the top of one page, I don't know what it is this week, maybe message five or message six. I put the next number up there. This is six. Thank you, Jeremy. I have seven done. Want to know why? After that, I got a phone call. Actually, I got a text. And a new family in our church, the wife of that new family, Amber Wade, mother passed away. And I inherited her mom's service. And I need to serve, Tracy, I need to serve that family. So I'm not going to have the kind of time this week as I had last week. And God, bless his heart. You know, God's always smarter than you. 
And so God just dumped that out on me. I wrote it down. And so now in the limited framework that I have this week, I've already got the initial stuff. In fact, I could preach it right now from my heart because of what God put in there. But it's next week. You say, well, why does God do that? Because he knows better than you do. Right? He, he, he's shielding you from things. He's showing you. You'll understand righteousness, justice, and equity in every good path. See, a pastor who gets a funeral that he's unprepared for can actually kind of curse that circumstance. I wish Amber was here so I could ask her permission to share this. You, are you, Kara, are you aware of her story with her mom? You think that that would be okay? So I get this email after we've, I said, we would love to serve, be such an honor to serve your family. You know, I'm trying to get to know this new family and sit right back over here. And, and uh, she said, I, I got to tell you this, this story. She said, my mom was scared of dying. And I just, she says, she says, I'm the only one in my family that's serving Christ. So I just kept going to her and telling her how good God was. And finally her mom accepted Jesus. And then she died. Now, not being being, but I can tell you that the mom is real thankful in heaven right now because of that. Why? Because he showed you a good path. See, wisdom, you suppose that if you've ever tried to witness somebody and they've not been receptive for like 100 years. And then all of the sudden, kabang. God does the work. Well, see, there was all this seed planting that went on. There was all this plowing that went on. In fact, God gave me, as I was wondering about this, God gave me this picture of some of you farmers running your sprinklers in the fall after you've harvested everything. There's nothing growing there. Your sprinklers just going around, pouring the water on. Why are you doing that? You're preparing the soil. Next year, when you, now this year, when you get ready to put seed in the ground, there will be subsoil moisture. I, I don't know anything about farming, but I, I know now by God's wisdom that if you can get subsoil moisture in there, it's just a better deal. Why? Because when you plant the seed, oh, get ready. When you plant the seed, you have a right to see the future. If you'll prepare the soil, when you plant the seed, you'll have a right to see the future. When you plant the seed, what do you expect to come up? Whatever you put in the ground. If you prepare the soil more, is your heart prepared to receive a greater harvest because of the preparation you did? Do you, I'm talking to farmers, I don't have any idea whether you do or you don't. Right now, boy, if I was a farmer, this is how I'd do it. <laughs> do you balance off the fertilizer based on cost and return? What do you do when you're seeing the future? That's just awesome. Why do we share the gospel? Because planting the seed enables us to see the future. That's when you understand righteousness, justice, equity, and a good path. Are you tracking with me? Isn't Proverbs awesome? <laughs> Look at verse 10. Discretion, verse 11. Discretion will preserve you. Oh, I love this. Discretion will preserve you. Do anybody have any idea what discretion means? Discretion is the ability to keep your mouth shut when your heart is telling you or your brain is telling you you should be flapping your, your gums. Discretion does that. You should be quiet. Sometimes you need to be more quiet. Because you see, you're not plowing your other friend's heart. You're crusting it over. 
Come on, when somebody is resistant, have you ever prayed for somebody and had them be resistant? You can feel it coming back at you. You're just going, whoa, okay. And, and sometimes because you can't always control your body language, you actually, I have, I've actually taken a step backwards because it's, you, you're praying and, and what's happening in the spirit is kind of bouncing back to you. And you're going, wait a minute, you came up here for prayer. Why won't you receive that? You know, and I have an attitude in my head, not with any of you people, people who aren't here. You know, I've done that with. And, and I say, wait a minute, discretion will preserve you. Now, I learned something a long time ago. That if you'll ask people for permission, they'll give you permission to plow in their heart. They'll go, I'll say, you know, I think I got a kind of hard word. And you, some of you maybe been in this situation where I've said to you, I kind of got a hard word or you know, God's saying this to me. And I, I sometimes I'll wander and go, does that make sense to you? And they'll say, yeah. And I said, I think God wants to, you know, and on and on and we go. What happens is discretion has just got, it preserves you. If you pray for somebody and offend them, that relationship's going to be affected. You need to stay in the game. Right. You need to stay in the spirit world and figure out that this is a long term benefit here. Stop writing people off. You say, well, but they won't do what I want. Well, that's all right. You're not in charge anyway. You say, well, but they would be better off. I agree. You know what? I actually believe in most of my time just looking into life that people would be better if they were more like me. Do you ever think that way? Before you say no. Look at the person you're sitting by. (laughs) You think they would be better if they were more like you. Or whatever your swerve is. Tracy and I have such a great compliment in ministry. But her first response is to pray. My first response is to shoot. And so oftentimes we'll be, we'll be standing together and we have, we have signals and she'll reach up and she'll grab me right here and squeeze me, you know, which means, wait a minute, pay attention here for just a second. And so then I'll, I'll receive from her, either we'll step back and you, you can see it on Sunday morning when, when we come up here. And, and if you see me run over and, and whisper in her ear, I'm telling her the crazy thing that God has just said to me. Hey, what do you think of this? She rarely answers me, but she always prays. Yeah. Why? Because you see, people who like me who are ready to shoot sometimes need somebody to pray. Because wisdom, for those of us whose motor is running, wisdom isn't always an occupant of the car. Come on, man. Sometimes, sometimes you got to open the door. Let the wisdom in. (laughs) Yes, sirree. Did you get it? All right, so discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. Look at this, these great, just life experiences to deliver you from the way of evil. Wisdom, now again, keep verse number 10 connected. Keep this little passage, because he's telling you how to live life here. He says, listen, I, I want you to understand something here. When you, verse 9, it says, you'll understand righteousness, justice, equity, and every good work. And you get down to verse number 12, to deliver you from the way of evil. When you understand it, you won't associate yourself with the ways of evil. I'm always interested when Christians are willing to protest and look foolish. Well, we need to do that. Maybe. Maybe. You say, you mean we shouldn't do that? I'm not saying that. You're out of, it's possible that you're out of order. What should you do first? 
Apply yourself to wisdom. You should pray. You should find out. And when that happens, go join yourself to whatever picture you want. But before you shoot at the people who won't stand arm in arm with you when you're protesting, you ought to praise God that they've prayed and wisdom. They're not scared. I'm not scared of what the world has to offer. I'm more scared of the prophet a day having to offer something. You, you, with this book, do you need a prophetic word every day? I don't think so. I don't think so. You, you, you've got to use discernment. You've got to use discernment. When stuff doesn't line up with the word, set it off the side. Uh, seek him, not his servant. Right? That'll keep you free from me as well. <laughs> you, you need to be free from your, from your pastor. You say, what do you mean by that, pastor? If you set me out to be infallible in any area, there's going to be somebody who will kick the pedestal that you just built for your leaders to stand on. There's going to be somebody who's going to kick that out. See, you need to have the process inside yourself that doesn't depend on wholly or totally what somebody else is telling you that God says. God is not a respecter of individuals. Yes, God is not a respecter. So there's not anything special about me or anybody else. And I've right, for 40 some years, I've operated in prophetic things. You don't need me to tell you a word. The guy, if the word is correct, the guy given the word is the same guy you can get it from. Amen. That's what discretion does, right? It'll deliver you from the, way, from the man who speaks perverse things. From the man who speaks perverse things. Amen. Kenneth Copeland tells a story about a lady who came up in a prayer line wanting him to agree with her about divorcing her husband. You remember this story? Oh, yeah. Because she wanted to marry him. I don't care what prophet told you that or how that makes perfect sense to you. You would not be a happy camper under those circumstances. Verse 13. For those who leave the paths of uprightness. Again, when you understand righteousness, it's harder to leave that path. To walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, delight in the perversity, perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, devices in, who are devious in their path, to deliver you from the immoral woman. Again, back to understanding righteousness, back to understanding these, 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 this perseverance and this, this preserving nature that wisdom will give you. Does that make sense? Skip down, if you would, to verse number 20, and let's see if we can put a star at the end of this chapter so that you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness and keep see just because you know righteousness does not necessarily mean that you will automatically walk down there and what the world will teach you is a little bit of the world's ways may get something to happen quicker may benefit you when the enemy came to Jesus in the temptation in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4, he gave him four different opportunities to short circuit what God had called him to do. He says, get delivered from this. Serve me. You don't have to go through all of this. 
Jesus had three years of ministry on earth after that, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Previous to that, and you go back and read it, previous to that, the devil came to him and offered him solutions to his problem. I'm going to give you all these things. Being able to see the future, Jesus, just like you, Jesus is a man. He was called to do things for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He knew what was coming. Three years of that process, he could see the future. You say, oh, no. Yes, he could. He kept telling everybody he was going to die. He kept taking people to Jerusalem. He said, I'm going to go up here. This is the last time. Let's have a meal. And, and then they're going to get me and crucify me. He knew what was going to happen. He had three years. The devil came to him and offered him the opportunity to short circuit the process. In today's spiritual economy, there are all kinds of things being offered to us to short circuit the process. I think God wants a church that's not scared anymore. Not worked up by the world anymore. I mean, wouldn't it be better if you looked when the world was saying, you know, I, I chuckled the other day. Because I, I heard a report, some talking head telling me how everything is going to be bad. And I looked at him and I thought, if you sat where I sat, you'd think that the world is going to be good. Because you know the future because of the seed that has been planted that gave you the right to see the future. If Jesus is in you, you have the seed, receive the implanted word, the Bible says. You have the seed inside of you, the incorruptible seed that will produce a harvest. You have the ability based on the seed planted to see the future. Don't look at me like I'm nuts. Well, nobody can see the future. Yes, you can see it because it's right here spelled out. Right? Seed time and harvest, according to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, will not end. If Jesus, as the sower of the word, planted the word in you, that word will produce a harvest in you. End of story. You say, well, no, you don't. No, no, just quit telling me what I don't understand. I don't understand how a corn seed grows. I don't understand from what I do understand. People have told me that a corn seed grows down first before it grows up. Well, that doesn't seem like a good plan. Right? And then that seed uses all its energy to break through the dirt. And in Minnesota, when we lived up there because of the short growing season, you could put a stake out in a, in a cornfield out there at the height of the cornfield, and you could actually watch the corn grow during the day. Here, you can hear it. You know, it's, you know, how, you know how corn sh- sh- shucks? You know how that squeaky noise is? If you'll be real quiet, you can hear it squeaking against itself as it grows. You get to see the future. Did you think the plant wasn't going to grow? Well, honestly, yes. I thought that God planned his word in me and nothing was going to happen. That's why we complain when we see God's word, but certain things within it haven't happened yet. We say, well, I guess it's not supposed to happen to me. That's why we say that I had an aunt who wasn't healed. Well, first of all, all you're really talking about is how righteous you think your aunt was. And by the way, righteousness can't be produced by good works. Righteousness can't be produced by good works. The growth process can't be produced by good works. Sorry. Did you know that inside the seed of that corn plant, 
is all it needs to become whatever God designed it to be. I know some of you are speakers to your houseplants. You think your houseplants are healthier when you talk to them. You're not talking to the plant. The plant doesn't have the ability to hear you. The plant's seed was pre-designed by God to produce things. What you're talking to is the spirit world, and you should recognize that. You're not talking to the plant. The plant has within it the ability to produce, and that's already been preset by God. You say, well, I'm telling to produce more. Tell the spirit world to keep their hands off your production. That'll help you better. You say, well, I never thought of it that way. Well, no, you're trying to adjust what God's already promised will happen. You're trying to control the harvest rather than affect the growth by speaking to the spirit world. Does that make sense? So you may walk in the ways of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. See, he gave us this example. And when we see it next week, we're going to do it again next week in Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to talk about how wisdom guides us. And he'll give us four, five, six verses of this. Oh, here's what it does. Here's what it does. And then he'll give us two passages within the, book, within the chapter, third chapter that'll show us how this works. It'll help you. Amen? Father, thank you for this day. We just bless you, Lord God, for all that you do. Thank you for teaching us by your word. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.